Tamaki Hiringa Waka. Tamaki, the place many waka are tied to. Inga mana inga reo himihitine ki a kautakatua, no mai hoki mai ki te hotaka nei a te ahikā ko Maraia Rakuraku ahau. I'm Maraia Rakuraku, you're with Te Ahikā, a weekly dose of issues from a Māori perspective, here on Radio New Zealand National. Wirimu Barryball is finding his career path as a musician, and now shoe designer, is an extension of his Māori identity. But then how does that fit? when your business is potentially growing at the expense of another's culture. Prior to going to China, you know, you have all these notions of what goes on over there and, and deal, you know, talk myself and the other two partners, um, Hilton and Warren, we, we went over there consciously, you know, stating that, you know, we're not just going to choose the cheapest um, factory to make our stuff. We, we, we're going over there as Māori, we're representing our people to another Indigenous people, and that was the level we wanted to do it on. This week, eh, while politicians have slung it out with each other and undermined democratic processes left, right and centre, iwi directly affected by the decision not to have mana whenua seats on the Auckland Super City Council are going about their usual business, that is, in keeping their people motivated and looking at the next strategic response. Nāti Whātua spokesperson Nāri Mu Blair is up later on in the show commenting on that, as to Helen Tehira. She's one of the regular bloggers on Ihi, Iwi Have Influence, the website set up specifically to provide a space and information for those interested in the Super City debate and its impact on Māori Council representation. Rodney Hyde, there were less people who elected him than turned that on the hikoi. And I, I just think if he got amongst the communities across Auckland, you'd find that people aren't scared of Māori. They don't think it's a terrible thing. They think it's a positive development to have Māori at that level of governance. Helen Tehira shall be joining us later. Know what kusua? Well, you may not be familiar with the term, but chances are you will be with the critters. Head lice. And those nasty beasties are what motivated businesswoman Jackie Mutsu to set up a hair salon in Rotorua, make it kid-friendly, give it a neat name, and focus solely on getting rid of them. It's a problem with all hair types, short hair, long hair, uh, straight hair, curly hair, any hair. You don't, they don't really have a um, preference to what hair they like to go into. So they don't necessarily have a preference for Māori hair? No, they don't. They go in all nationalities, so um, no, they go in every single hair type, every single colour, every single person. It's not, um, it's not a dirty paru thing, it's a, um, they like to go and clean hair. Forget diabetes and the flu, according to Jackie Mutsu, it's kutu, head lice that are the real health issue impacting on Māori. That's all coming up in this week's edition of Te Ahi Kā. First up, ko te mea tuatahi. Wirimu Barrybull nor Nati Rokawa isn't used to being in the limelight. As a musician playing with loads of Māori bands, he's tended to hide behind instruments. And that's something that's going to have to change, especially now as he's joined the ranks of Manolo Blahnik and Christian Le Baitan. Well, maybe not quite Aut's Couture standard like them, but think more sports shoe design under his label Tuake. Spurred on by his whānau, Barry Ball entered his designs into the Metal Motor Fashion Awards held a couple of months ago. Metal is when you twine the threads or muka of flax harakeke and motor is Italian for fashion. So a type of Māori-Italian fusion was going on there and he ended up taking out the established fashion designer category. If that wasn't enough, he was then named the overall winner. Justine spent an afternoon with him at home. Well, this is the sort of part of the room that I've deemed as the the jam room, and um, this is where me and the you know the bros sort of get together and flesh out some you know some songs, some new jams, and also I also bring my kids here to um, you know learn whatever they want to learn. So yeah, music has been yeah a passion of mine ever since. Oh man, same thing you know, young as because mum and you know. Was a was a muse. My uncles were muse, so um, it was obvious that uh, you know we were gonna p- 
pick up a guitar at least. Yeah, I've spent, you know, I was, I've actually been a full-time user for yeah, years. Yeah, and designing on the side. Yeah, doodling on the side. There was a time at which, you know, um, the designing, like, took over. But, you know, I still try and keep a a, a hand in, in the music. You name it, I've done it as far as, <laughs> you know, bars, clubs and, yeah. you know, festivals and, you know, played with some awesome, you know, acts, like, Heaps. Heaps. Yeah, heaps. Too many to name. Yeah. So we've got um, a couple of uh, electric guitars or piano drum kit on one <laughs> side of the uh, living area. So if we could just go through to um, your, your what would you call your area there, Watamu? Ooh, I'd call that the, uh, the creative suite. <laughs> yeah, so if we can just, it's a nice carpeted area. Now, Watamu, I mean, go look at this. Art is on the wall. Um, now, can we just talk about this piece here? Uh, that piece was um, basically one of my first, and it was my first go at a digital piece, completely done on the computer. I, I, I guess set up my um, desire, I guess, to, to develop a, a, a style with digital art. What is digital art? Well, anything that's sort of, you know, computer art. And can you describe what, what the picture is of? It depicts a story of um, Hine Pokohurangi and Uenuku. And basically, why I chose the story is because it, it had so much for me to sort of work off. You know, the mist and the rainbow and, um, yeah. Shades of blue. Blue, purples, greens and... And the and a hungi embrace. Yeah. Is this the skin that's on, Be- you know, Bebo? You yeah, create yeah. skins, don't you, as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, I did them for, you know... Like Fanu and and um, make me a skin cows. Yeah, oh, jeez, <laughs> if I got a dollar for everyone that said that, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have to worry about Tuake. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, um, it, it was like I said, it was basically for for my Fanu and um, um, you know my kids actually, because the way Bebo set up, if, yep. if, if I if I want to give it to say someone, I've got to release it all together. So that everyone can have it. Oh, right. You can't just let sort you can't of one. Just, yeah, because they can copy. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can copy that I can't skin. say, oh, I'm going to give you this skin and then just yeah. you can have it. Basically, you let it go yeah. public. And, and then once I've done that, I sort of, geez, I, I think I created a bit of a monster, eh? Because, <laughs> yeah, like. Um, so I, the I, skins I is the, when you change your outlook of your page. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, to... yeah. And I do it via. Um, I don't use my own name as, as my um, Bebo. I use a, 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 a label called, I guess. Māori skins, it's just an extension of, say, your home. I mean, it's like them putting pictures on the wall. I mean, the internet's here now, and it's not going away, so why not fashion it with, you know, your own um, culture and, Mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So So we've got another huge piece in front of us. Tell us about this one. Uh, That's to Matauinga. God um, of War? yeah, Yeah, he came with me to Las Vegas. You took this piece to Las Vegas yeah, for next yeah. Oh, well, actually, I got it done over there because obviously it was too big to take on the plane. So I, I got it printed over there, and um, he was um, flanking our, our stall, all of the, the Tuake products. And it was awesome because a lot of people were drawn to him, drawn to this piece, which in turn, you know, they, they threw their eyes around and saw everything oh. else. So it was, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was more of a, um, I guess, a prop to show us, show that we were from, and this is our style. And um, Whereabouts was your exhibition in Las Vegas, one of uh, the hotels? Yeah, I was at the um, Las Vegas Convention Centre, which was sort of just a stone's throw from um, Hilton, the Hilton um, Hotel, yeah. Oh, man, they, they, they're fascinated, eh? you know? And um, a lot of them had heard about, you know, the, the tattooing. And, but, I mean, um, it was like the French and the English, you know, Obviously, they're going to say, oh, all blacks, you know. Yeah. And then our Hawaiian whanau, man, they, they loved it, eh? You know, they could see the connection and, I guess, with the artwork and, nice. and even us, as, you know, the, the people standing there, you know. I, 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 I met a couple of Hawaiians that I was used to thought, I said, jeez, my cousin from bloody <laughs> Tauranga. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got similar art pieces on the wall, um... Myths and legends, you seem to draw on myths and legends of, of Māori a lot. There's this beautiful piece I saw in Koha Gallery, I think it was called Mahueka. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean... Goddess of Fire? Yeah, myth, myths and legends were, um, I guess, 
something that I took an interest to well, early on at school, you know, with uh, the old Maui books and stuff like that. So that's what set me up. That's, I guess, what got me interested in the whole, um, you know, art, Māori art thing. And it's it's the mysticism too, eh, that, mm. that appeals to me, you know. And um, the thing with Māori that, that I really dig is that you can be as abstract as you like. You know, you don't have to, you know, like if, if you wanted to depict a person, it doesn't have to be a realistic person, you know. It, it can be a stylized, and you know that's evident in, in our traditional art, you know. And um, I guess that's the the angle I take. That's the approach I take. But in a today setting, so um, yeah, it's like I said before. It, it's just a it's an old concept in a new, you know, in a new way. From artworks on canvas to Bebo skins, Wiremu has now shifted his attention to other surfaces as Justine continues. It seems like three, well, very large computer screen. You've got yeah. keyboard, you've got print, you've got obviously your, your technology set up here. Yeah. Um, well, this is actually where I sort of do um, a lot of day to day sort of keeping in contact with um, the partners over in Aussie because I've got it hooked up to the internet. And um, I also do a bit of music on there. Um, I have this one over here because it's a PC. Because I work on Mac, um, there, there are some things that don't work so well on Mac, so I have a PC just to mm-hmm. to do those those little tasks that that need that sort of platform. Um, over here, this is where, where I actually spend most of my time on this one. I, I usually have a, a laptop there, and I use this. This is actually wow, an interactive screen where I draw straight onto the screen. <gasps> And, um, using that oh, using special this, one of those yeah, touch yeah. touch pens. So it's it's a hundred it's a paperless sort of um, process where I can do concepts real quick. So know. it's almost like a screen on a slant. Yeah. And it's you... like, yeah, it's like a pad because I can um, you know put it to whatever angle, and you know how naturally you draw, you move the paper around. So you know it's, it gives you the freedom to work as you would on a on a piece of paper or on a pad. That's basically, I mean, in a nutshell, that's basically all the computer gives you is, 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 is choices. I then mean, you hit it, print or, yeah, I mean, you know. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> or, or I hit send to, you know. Send to. <laughs> send to the cousins over in China. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, it doesn't really um, help in the, the thought process. I mean, that's still 100% up here and, and, it, and it's hard to turn it off, actually. I can just send it directly from the screen. I don't have to print it. I can send it to them, and then they can print it, or vice versa. I mean, like you know, the canvases. The canvases here is a result of yeah, yeah. I can just send it straight to the factory, and then they they print it off, and um, it's um, yeah, convenient more than anything. Mm. You know, I could have a uh, a concept of a shoe, say, and then do it in five different colours without having to even break a sweat. (laughs) Yeah, just go choose yellow, choose blue. So, what I mean, let's talk about. I mean, you talked about. I mean, let's talk about the manufacturing, the making of these goods. Um, how does that work, and where is it? Where is it? Um, where are they made? Yeah. Well, we chose to um, go to China to get our stuff made, um, simply because the skill set wasn't in New Zealand to do it. And basically, they're experts. I mean, people might say, "Oh, that's cheap and nasty," but they do it all. They do cheap and nasty, but then they do high end as well. Basically, you can't get these things done in New Zealand. We chose China. Um, Maybe you've heard about the documentaries about working conditions and yeah. ten cents an hour, and you know, does that sort of as a, as Māori and as an artist, how does that? Um, yeah, how does that sit with you as a well, company as Tuaki? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, um, prior to going to China, you know, you have all these notions of what goes on over there, and, and deal, you know, talk. Myself and the other two partners, um, Hilton and Warren, we, we went over there consciously, you know, stating that, you know, we're not just going to choose the cheapest um, factory to make our stuff. We, we, we're going over there as Māori, we're representing our people to another Indigenous people, and that was the level we wanted to do it on. And um, to be honest, we went over there and we, we the, the factory that we first went to, um, it was okay, I mean... You know they did a okay, you know, job, and um, their people were were being, 
you know, they, the, the place where they were working was fine. I mean, um, but so we, you went for a tour around? Yeah, well, well, we went there to this one company and, and factory, but it didn't really suit us. I mean, we didn't really connect with the, the guys sort of in charge. And, um, you know, we, had a, we actually had another uh, contact over there. And we relayed to him, we said, you know, man, we're not coming over here thinking that we're it and um, we're going into a factory and, and part down there and we're up here. Yeah. That's one thing we don't want to, we don't want to put that feeling across. We want to be the same level, you know, and we want to talk to, although we couldn't talk to them directly, but we want them to see us that we, we're just the same, you know, and even to this day, it's still the same thing, you know. we got a, uh, a Chinese bro over there who... Um, you know, you can just see how they, they react to you initially that they're down here, you're up there. After, like, a, a, a few weeks with us, man, they we were just, you know, we were, like, I, I consider him a brother, a bro. You know, just like i got my bros here in, in Aotearoa. He, he's same, you know, and um, he knows our kaupapa. We, we don't want to use factories where they're the abusing their, yeah. their people or or people are working in, in crappy conditions and um you know and, and that kind of thing i mean if we know about it well we don't want anything to do with it and and i can say that because where we get our factory uh we, the factory we get our stuff done i actually go there and work right next to you know i'm put in an office with everyone else i mean i'm not giving any sort of special treatment actually they said oh we can give you an office and it's all decked out i went nah man I'll stay with the with the boys, you know, yeah, yeah. with the design team, and then you know the the, the factory workers are uh, basically just a minute sort of walk outside, on, you know, um, and it's all sweet as. I mean, it, they're hot, yeah, but I'm hot too, you know. It's not like <laughs> I'm in an air conditioned hardcore room and and you know sipping pina coladas or anything. I mean, I'm basically in the same environment as they are, and I, I purposely said, no, nah, don't, don't. You know, sort of go out of your way for me. I mean, as long as the mahi's been done, then um, I guess we're looking at it on a bigger picture, you know. We want to develop the relationship, and um, to be honest, I mean, first and foremost, they're the best at what they do, you know. And, and for Tuaki to, to even have an impression, it has to be to a certain level. And so people look at it in, in, uh, in that light, I guess. Um, but you know, I was, you know, you talk to, you know, you get to talk to a lot of a lot of people over there, eh? and then that always comes up that issue of, oh, you know, the slave labour. The it's out there, you know. Don't get me wrong, it's out there. But, Duplication. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all out there. But I mean, um, I'm not an expert on it, but you know, I talked to, uh, 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 he, well, he's a komato actually over there, like he's Chinese, and, and you know, I talked through a translator, translator, and, and basically he said to me, um. You know, you don't live here, so don't. You know, I guess it's just flooded by media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't have preconceptions of what goes on here. I mean, you could probably look in your. Basically, he said you could look in your own backyard and see a whole lot of things that that you know, um, you 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 wouldn't you know your country wouldn't be proud of or whatever. And I went, oh, true. Basically, he said, just know that, um, you know, the work that you're doing here has been done in a certain way. And just worry about that. I mean, don't waste your energy, you know. So I thought, oh, see, you know. And, yeah. and I, I guess what he's saying is if it does occur in what you're doing, well, you change that, you know. Stop stop using them or stop using them. Or, but, you know, as long as, as it fits well with you and, and you're okay with it, well, yeah. it's mm. it, You know, and, and let's face it, I mean, business is business. They, they need business to carry on and... I mean, it, it's a shame that actually, it's a real shame that we have to go over overseas because um, the, the the big cope up for um, Tuaki is to sort of bring opportunities back to our own people, you know. And um, what we actually hope to do, there's there's obviously some parts of of production that just can't be done in New Zealand. But what we hope to do is bring maybe um, part of the production back to to, to home here. Where we can get our own whānau and our own people involved in it, which would be, you know, it could be just the smallest, you know, like smaller sort of stuff like, um, I don't know, geez, sewing the bloody uppers or, or because the main issues are with the soul, you know. Soul's yeah, this is the real, 
This is this is the the, the main tucky we have over there. Soul of the shoes. Yeah, producing it, you know, and um, this is what we sort of can't find people in back home here to do. Uh, but see, this you know, we might be able to mm. get some of our whānau to sell in the little lace things. <laughs> <laughs> Next minute, the aunties will be going, right, I'm going for a coffee yeah. break. <laughs> so let's talk about your shoes then. Um, we, we, you've got a little stand in the corner and it's a, a shoe display, two wake shoes. Yep. Well, this is basically, um, you got you got four styles here. And, oh, um, they are so cool. Yeah, you've got a, um, this is some sort of like a street sort of skatey shoe. And underneath the shoe is Kuru Designs. Yeah, there's our Kōwhaiwhai sort of Puhuru Designs, which, you know, um, indicate nice the red movement. Shoe. And that's for leisure? I mean, yeah, it's, it's not just, for running, no, obviously. No, no, no. Actually, none of, none of the Tuaki stuff is actually performance wear. I mean, you could, you could, yeah, you could run in them, for <laughs> sure, but we're not saying that they're like yeah. anything um, extra ordinary like yeah. as far as performance and it's mainly the look at the, I mean you know with, with more R&D I mean we we hope to sort of develop more specialised um, oh, research and development oh. like um, you know how do we manage to expel the toe jams from these ones or something <laughs> like that you know you know what I mean you know you might put little air vents or all that oh, kind that's of a cool shoe can yeah. we talk about that one this one was actually the original um, design that I had done this was the one that we um, got our first prototype made on. So it's a black, white, and red. Yeah, the old shoe. Ten all colours. Yep. Do they have design names? You know how you can get, like, you know, when they had Reebok pumps because they had a pump. Do yeah. They have well, we're like actually that? we're actually working on the names because, um, especially with, we're not sure if we should give them Maori names or um, just generalised um, names just to, to determine which one people mm. are talking about. Only because you know, um, you've got to be careful with with giving giving Maori names to, well, things I suppose. Um, Do you have a cultural advisor, what me? We've got heaps. <laughs> <laughs> His name's Dad. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that's yeah. interesting. You call. Um, I mean, just say for example, you called that one Tangaroa because it's blue. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean that that may not go down well at all. Yeah, no. Nah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, exactly. You're, you're right there, so that's the. I mean, we've actually we named them a, a few different names, and we and we had you know the old advice, oh, you know, maybe not. So it was cool. I mean, so we've just decided, nah, we take it slow, man. You know, um, yeah. Be careful, and 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 if it comes down to, I mean, we'll just go totally the opposite and call it something like I don't know. Yeah. Who? <laughs> <laughs> who one? Who two? <laughs> do you do you wear your own stuff? Do you wear your shoes? Uh, I'd like shoes? to, but um, yeah, we haven't got my size at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've squeezed my foot into one. Good for you, Wedemi Barryball. He's from Nazi Rokawa. And Justine was talking with him about his shoe business, Tu Ake Designs. Head to our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika, and you can see photos of his gears. They're pretty cool. I'm Maraya Rakuraku, and you're listening to Te Ahika. If the past month is anything to go by, the latest business venture by Jackie Mutsu is about to go off. The Rusurua woman has set up a hairdressing salon focused solely on head lice removal. And as a mother tasked with washing the hair of her own kids plagued by the bothersome critters, who better equipped? About now I can regale you with stories of my childhood getting kinner haircuts. Those are those short, short or number ones. One of mum's attempts to curb the loathsome pests having hairdressers down tools and talk behind screens before asking me to leave because my hair was riddled. But I won't, tempting though it is. I spent a morning with Jackie while she worked on the hair of a 10-year-old girl, Nahuya Tate, North Te Arawa Tsuhoi, who had had kutsu on and off for the past year. It's a problem with all hair types, short hair, long hair, uh, straight hair, curly hair, any hair. You don't. They don't really have a um, preference to what hair they like to go into. So they don't necessarily have a preference for Māori hair. 
No, they don't. They go on all nationalities. So, um, no, they go on every single hair type, every single colour, every single person. It's not um, it's not a dirty paru thing. It's a, um, They like to go on clean hair. So um, if your child has head lice, it's because your hair is lovely and clean. And it's funny, eh, Jackie, because, you know, when I was growing up, it was kind of, um, we were kind of told at school that it's because our hair was dirty or because we were dirty Māori. And that is not right at all. It's um, because our hair is washed and cleaned all the time, so that is why they like it, because it's got no oil in it, because we've washed all the oil out. So that's one thing that I tell the parents when they come in here, not to wash your child's hair so often, because you're stripping out all the natural oils that actually uh, are made to um, repel them. So is that like not, not washing your hair every day? Yeah, don't wash your hair every day. Is that wetting it or washing uh, it with shampoo? Uh, washing it with shampoo actually um, takes out the oils, um, but um, it just strips it all away so that uh, they just come in constantly if you keep washing and washing a child's hair. You know, and I guess there's that other stereotype that because we sleep communally, like sleeping at the marae and things like that, that we're more likely to get um, kutsu. Uh, yes, you are, but um, what the products that we have, uh, um, we sell repellents and they're gels and hairsprays and um, they have a citronella base in them and the um, kutus don't like the smell, so you're less likely to catch head lice if you use our um, hairspray and gels. Uh, my daughter's been using it for over a year and she's been clear of kutus. So, um, and she was a child that always had them and that's why I did the business and that's why I started to share what I'd learnt on how to keep them out of um, children's hair. Because, you know, when I was growing up, we seemed to almost get doused with petrol. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but I know when my nanny used to clean my hair that it was like she'd almost douse our hair into a bowl of petrol <laughs> or she'd spray our hair with fly spray. Yes. <laughs> and yes. you know, would all be crying. <laughs> or it stung your head so much. Oh. No, um, there's still parents that do that same, um, use the same stuff. Um, we've got uh, bleach put into children's hair. Now, the bleach actually breaks the hair. So, when children come in after they've had a bleach, bleach put through the hair, I go to comb and the hair falls out. And um, that's pretty, that's that's really bad and traumatic for the child to have bald spots because bleach has been put on, um, spot on, and uh, frontline and all those kind of um, dog and cat remedies are the worst things you could put on. They go straight into the nervous system and blood, um, blood system and you just um, can really seriously put a child into hospital by using them. Uh, and I don't think parents out there know the severity of what uh, they can do, and they're really, really bad. Um, children can be in hospital um, not being able to walk from using these or parents dousing them too much in them. Um, kerosene, of course, that burns the head. We all know that. Uh, and it, it burns ongoing because there's blisters that form on the head, and it keeps burning even when you rinse it out. So... Uh, all those other products that you use are a big no-no. They actually seep straight into the brain, so it's not not a good good thing. So tell me what you're doing to Nahuya at the moment. It looks like she's got a the usual head salon paraphernalia on her. There's the towel around her neck, the bib around her front, and then you've got a plastic sheet that's over the top of that around... Uh, yes, we put capes on just to protect their clothing and also because uh, when we manually go through the hair, um, you tend to get some that like to fall out and then crawl back in later. So, um, yeah, we like to protect the clothing, protect all around the child so that she can't get reinfested again when she leaves out the door. Yeah, and um, the sectioning that we do, we just break the hair down and go through it bit by bit. So I manually go through it. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on how long the child's hair is and how thick it is. But normally the, um, the shortest it takes me is about 45 minutes to go through uh, section by section. Okay, so you've, we've got the back section at the moment and you're, you've got what's a knit comb, which is a... 
Uh, yeah, we've got um, we run through a knit comb. A knit comb is has got the steel teeth on it, uh, with a plastic handle that you hold onto. Uh, my brush has uh, thin steel rods sticking out of it, and it's really good this brush because it's um, it's close together, so it picks up all the fine little lice in the hair. So it's really good. Because there's also the, um, the eggs, aren't there? Yeah, now when girls come in and they've got heaps of dead lice, sometimes we don't pick them all up because they've got no inside to them, so they don't cling on to the, on to the combs anymore. Um, but the, the majority of the time I can um, go through and pick up everything um, and get most of the dead ones out as well. It's, it's been awesome, awesome getting into doing this because now you really see the severity of of um, what children's heads are like and what the condition's like. Um, sometimes we get children in here with um, severe um, infections on their head and the head lice are actually burrowing under the skin. Um, I can't treat them, but... Um, that, that sounds like it would need medical treatment. It, it needs medical treatment, but there's a number of children that have been in like that. Oh, and how um, terrible for the kids, eh? And it's really painful and it's really sore. Ooh. And um, it's just... But my products, the stuff that we use, um, I can actually, they can actually still treat their hair at home, but I can't manually go through it just yet, but they can use my products uh, to use at home, and it doesn't hurt their scalps, because their scalps are raw, basically, and it's also from the products that the parents have been putting in, so they could have been using the, they don't tell me, but they could have been using the kerosene or the whatever products to put through children's hair, and they've just, the head's just gone raw with using it. In the four weeks I've been, um, had my head lice salon open, we've done about 95 children. And that's a pretty big number. And they're travelling from far as Wellington, Auckland, Tauranga. So we're getting families from just all over the place. Jackie, why do you think that um, parents aren't doing this themselves? Um, I think that, you know, they are doing them doing it themselves. What's happening is they clean, they go back, they get infected. They clean, they go back, they get infected. And, you know, after I, some children that come in here, they haven't stopped having head lice uh, since they were babies. So you're talking, I've got a seven-year-old sitting in a chair and they haven't stopped having head lice since they were born, basically. It's just an ongoing problem, but if we could um, just get uh, funding or get the Ministry of Health to look at what, what the severity of some of the cases are that I've documented so far, um, it's, it's a shocker. It's a real shocker at what's going on in the children's here today. And um, it's all children. Do you think it still has some stigma attached to it? Um, I think it does. It does have stigma attached to it, but um, now that parents know that I'm here, they kind of think, well, you know, what a relief. You know, it's a, some parents, it's the last straw before they cut their beautiful daughter's mm. long hair off um, and give them a boy haircut, a number two, you know. That's, yeah. that's where parents are headed. Yeah. Um, the majority of them that have been into me, I'm the last resort. They put everything on their child's hair, everything possibly that they could ever put on, including all the bad stuff, and um, it's still not working. Her mihi ki Jackie Mutu, and the young girl whose hair she was cleaning was Nahuia Tate. At our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika, you can see photos, and there are contact details for crazy critters. The hair business Jackie Mutu has set up to rid hair of kutsu or head lice. I'm Maraya Rakraku and this is Te Ahika. Nadi Mubli's phone has been ringing off the hook this week as media scramble to hear the Nati Fatua iwi response to the decision by Cabinet not to support mana whenua seats on the Auckland Super City Council. And as you're about to hear, the iwi store remains relatively upbeat. We're uh, still as determined as ever, um, as, as iwi of Auckland. Um, we're heartened by the huge amount of support that we are receiving. And um, this whole campaign and this whole process has really demonstrated um, that there is a lot of uh, support in the general population uh, for more effective Māori representation. Um, And so even if we don't get the seats um, this year, 
Um, there is an, an inevitability about it, and um, I think this was just really put on the agenda again uh, for Māori, not just in Auckland, but right across the motu uh, at local government level, how little representation we do have. And um, so it's put it on the, uh, the public agenda, and uh, yeah, I'm really confident that um, in Auckland and, and every other council through through the country one day that, that there will be uh, guaranteed Māori representation. How is that possible then, Māori Mu? I mean, if we look at Māori participation in local body elections, if we look at the population of Māori compared to other peoples in Aotearoa, how is that going to be possible? It's very difficult to get voted on. So, um, I mean, Māori will still run for local government. I'm sure um, there'll be Māori candidates here in Auckland, and, uh, as there always has been. Um, but, yeah, the whole, the whole campaign is about having um, reserved seats on council because the current system at local government, which is first past the post, um, has continued uh, to deliver an over-representation of the, of the Pākehā middle classes um, to council. So that's why uh, we need guaranteed seats, um, and we'll keep pushing for that. Now, you said that there is an inevitability to Māori representation eventually being on city councils. You know, some might say that there was an inevitability that this would always be the response of the National Party as well. Uh, yep, that's, that's fair comment. I mean, most Māori um, aren't surprised by this kind of decision. We've, we've been through it um, through the generations uh, where successive governments have, uh, I guess, treated us like this. So, um, um, But, you know, I guess there was a glimmer of hope uh, with the National Party, given they had um, developed a partnership with the Māori Party given that they had a uh, seabed foreshore review uh, put in place. So there was that little glimmer of hope, which um, some people, uh, I guess, held out for. But, um, yeah, ultimately, most of Māori went went surprised. So tell me about Ngāti Whātua. What's going to be the response from now on? We're going to have um, a, a campaign of sustained, dignified pressure. We are considering boycotting the uh, Māori Advisory Board, which we, we hear the Prime Minister and Rodney Hyde talking about. Uh, Tainui we have already come out and said they'd, they'd boycott it, so that's, that's something for us to consider. Um, but, um, you know, this, this campaign isn't just a, you know, a one-month, two-month or one-year campaign. It's, um, it's something we, we have to put on the agenda at every opportunity we get, so... There's uh, annual plan submissions to councils where we'll raise it. There's local government act reviews um, where we'll raise it. If there's a change of government, we'll be holding the prime minister, uh, potentially the new prime minister, Phil Goff, or whoever's leading Labour at the time, um, to their words about establishing Māori seats. And uh, we'd certainly put it on the high on the agenda of the Māori Party if they were in a coalition deal that. Um, that Māori seats is, is something that they, they need to uh, review in any, in any new coalition deal. So Ngāti Whātua will continue to participate in a process that that's maybe been turned against them? Um, as I said, we're considering boycotting the, the Māori Advisory Board, and, um, but in terms of annual plan submissions and so on, we will... Um, we will take up those opportunities. What about the call for another hikoi, Narimu? Yeah, there's, um, there is a, there's a strong call, and that's um, uh, a high possibility. Um, but uh, it's a huge, huge amount of work to do, to do one, and um, and not something we just consider consider doing lightly. So um, that is being talked about, but. Um, Nothing is, is confirmed yet. What would be your final comment to Pākehā who had supported the call for mana whenua seats? To keep on supporting it. They, they see how we can add value as, as Māori people uh, to the decision-making table. I think they've seen how the Māori Party can add value to 
through legislation and central government. And it's probably more to the Pākehā who, um, who see these seats as undemocratic and, and um, I don't know, a path to um, uh, separatism and so on. It's, you know, there, there is nothing to fear. Um, we're not going to take anything away from anyone. It's more about um, adding an a alternative perspective to our, our city, which is needed. Uh, you know, in these times of of ec uh, economic and environmental stress, um, we've experienced those sorts of things, and uh, we have a few ideas to share about um, about those, how to deal with those. And just finally, Nadimu, will Nazi Fatua be putting up candidates for the elections for the Super City Council? Uh, potentially, we again we we're still discussing um, our, our responses, and, and that also has, has been talked about, but, but nothing confirmed. Kia ora, Nadimu Blair or Nazi Fatua. Ehi or iwi have influence as a website set up in response to the super city kopapa in Auckland. Helen Tahira is one of its more regular contributors. Kena koutou katoa, Helen Tahira ahau, he uri nō te kaitokero, ko te rāroa, te aupauri, ngā pui me Ngāti Whātua oku iwi. You're one of the more regular contributors to the Ihi Iwi Have Influence website. One of the more recent postings is in response to the decision by the National Party caucus not to go with mana whenua seats on the Auckland Super City Council. Is that your belief? Do you feel that the National and the ACT Party are out of touch with modern metropolitan Auckland? Yes, I do, and that's why I wrote that. And, and it's not just me, really. I mean, it, you know, the, if we want to go on what's important to those parties um, in terms of, you know... Gauging what is the opinion of of the Aucklanders that they answer to, um, in the lead to the Hikoi, which he organised, you know there were polls of Aucklanders, and we were getting between 40 to 60 percent of those people polled who weren't Māori, saying, "Well, there's a problem with Māori seats." And um, the majority of people on the Hikoi, um, a large number of them, and I did the West Auckland Hikoi, a large number of them were Pākehā. And um, I think that uh, it's because the, the struggle has been had to have people understand, uh, you know, educated people, community-based grassroots people uh, within Pākehā and Tauiwi communities about what the treaty is. And I think within Auckland there's a higher level of understanding. We're used to uh, interacting with other cultures, but at the same time, you know, the, the iwi of Tāmaki... Um, and uh, I'm with unions, and some of the unions here have put a lot of effort into explaining why is what, what's what's the um, issue at stake here, and it's about ensuring uh, Māori have a voice, and um, the only way to do it really is, uh, is to legislate it in. And you know, really, we should have had 50% seats, three seats were the recommendation, and and I just feel that national um, and that. You know, Rodney Hyde, there were less people elect, who elected him than turned out on the hikoi. And I, I just think if he got amongst the communities across Auckland, you'd find that people aren't scared of Māori. They don't think it's a terrible thing. They think it's a positive development to have Māori at that level of governance. So, yeah, I do. Um, and I think these attitudes about Māori not being able to sit at the table, I mean, what's that about? We're the first people this city wouldn't exist without us, without the gifting of land, without the use of our labour to build the roads and infrastructure. Um, and in fact it was their own structures, the Royal Commission, who made that recommendation that uh, after engaging in months of intensive consultation around the Auckland region, um, this was the recommendation they came up with in a way that could try and balance the treaty rights and the call of Māori and Tauiwi groups and, um, you know, gosh, you've still got, take away three, you've still got um, another 18, 17, 18 seats that other people can jump into. Hmm. I just don't think National Party gets it, uh, or they're not willing to, because the earlier policy of getting rid of Māori seats at the national level, um, though they've parked it for now, I think that's, that's still in their horizon. So they don't want to be seen to be actually supporting uh, progress in that sense of Māori having a meaningful say at that level of the city.
And while Helen Tahita actively participates on the Ehi, Iwi Have Influence website, her crew provided help on a more practical level as well. We educated them about the submission process because um, there are just heaps of whānau who didn't know what a submission process was and there were many who were cynical. Um, so, um, yes, I put in one for my whānau, we had, but we had people from south, uh, west, uh, central... Yeah, we put in we put in a number. I said we would have put about fifty, and that's from Farno and individuals. And I put mine in, and um, I was uh, I sat through a number of days listening to what people had to say. And as I said, you know, over ninety percent of the people uh, submitting doing the oral submissions, and this includes uh, Tauiwi Pakia, we're saying we support the Māori seats. We want to see Māori represented. Uh, and significantly a number we're saying, and we want to see them represented in the way that they feel fits their needs, uh, which was great. I mean, I was there when the Employers and Manufacturers Association said that, and I nearly fell off my chair, but they were there saying, we don't have a problem. So, Helen, what does it say to you when you go through a select committee process, the decision hasn't even been made public yet, and then you'll already hear from the government that there will be no seats? Well, first of all, I think it's a symptom of um, a disrespectful process that, that that's not just about Māori representation. You know, that select committee process was really quick um, and not much effort was made, if any, actually, on the part of the government to inform people about how to go about it and the significance of it. So I see the Māori seats as, you know, it was appalling, really, the approach, but um, I think it's just symptomatic of um, a sort of roughshod uh, riding over the concerns of the community. Um, and one reason I believe that people were supporting Māori seats uh, was that they have a concern that public assets will be privatised and they look to Māori as guardians of collective things, collective taonga. And um, the Minister for Local Government, Rodney Hyde, has been very open and quite clear that he favours privatisation. He sees it as a good thing. Um, and of course, in our conversations with him, in our debates with him, uh, he did see Māori seats. He, he, he can't see the need for Māori, and I, I don't think he sees that we have a positive contribution to make. Um, and so I'm not surprised that the submission process has has uh, led to this. I, I felt that the Māori MPs really did listen. I felt, um, although I did when I made my submission, I said to Simon Powers, "Can you please stop texting?" Because our people had made a real effort to um, take time off work, talk to their whānau and present. And, you know, some of those people were just sitting at the table texting while they were talking, which was really insulting. But I saw I saw that happen to Māori, but, you know, lots of people who were there trying to give, um, give a voice to their concerns. So, Helen, when it looks like the processes that are held up as a democracy, when it looks like those processes are closed to Māori, what other options are there left? Well, I think our own experiences teaches us that we don't get things of value um, without a fight. You know, in this era, there are so many people willing to undermine our values um, and power, those in power. Um, but I think we just have to put up a fight and we have to maintain our unity and return to those ways that we know work for um, getting about collective strength. And that was the power of the hikoi, really. If we go back to um, what's been the big big collective approach, what's been empowering for people. It's, it has not been, you know, individual submissions. It was going to that ahuria that was called at Orake to discuss our concerns. Uh, it was participating uh, in forums, public hui, uh, around the issues, around Māori representation, around public assets, you know, around making sure our own whānau from diverse communities have a say. Um, and then it was around participating in the hikoi, and those networks and um, that whanaungatanga that was generated out of that has led to, um, I think, new people being involved, new people um, feeling that they can be involved in uh, local government issues. Um, and I think what we've got to do is just say the fight's not over yet, and it is going to require um, a focus and I just encourage people, uh, we, you know, we've got our website, but um, even though it's about tāmaki representation, whatever we win or lose here sets a precedent 
for the rest of the country, and I know other iwi are aware of that. They mobilise their own people to be at the hikoi, to make their own delegations to Parliament. Um, I think we have to name and shame those in power, uh, which is really about their outdated attitudes. We have everything to gain as a city and a nation from uh, genuinely involving Māori at the governance level of, of Auckland, legislating and leaving us out, as I said, as a heartbreak uh, to colonial attitudes that I think should be left in the last millennium, and quite clearly ACTA National are still grappling with that. And I wouldn't say all of their people, I'd say those in Cabinet are, because yeah, I, I want to um, support those MPs who've come out individually within that party uh, as Māori. Um, want to strengthen them and say, have courage to stand with your people, continue to stand with your people, because we'll be there um, if you can show that leadership that's required right now. Helen Tahida at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. There are details for ihi or iwi have influence website. Tamaki Hiringa Waka. Tamaki Hiringa Waka to me as a woman living in Auckland is a reminder to those of us who who make our living and and uh, who have our whānau here that um, as Māori uh, we come to a place that's that's been as uh, a place full of history uh, with iwi there for a long time because of its uh, desirous location, its natural beauty, and now the economic significance it plays. It also says to me um, that I have an obligation for living in this rohe to tautoko and uphold the mana of mana whenua, of ahika, and also as tangata whenua myself to find ways where I have tied my waka and my whānau have my waka to honour this place. And that's how I do it through... Um, my activism and organising and by participating in the community as fully as possible. Tēnā koutou katoa, Helen te hira ahau, he uri nō te kaitokerau, ko te rārawa, te aupauri, ngā pui me Ngāti oku iwi. Next month at Silver Scroll Time, when New Zealand Musos get awarded for their hard work with the annual Music Awards. Over the next few weeks, we'll be profiling some of the artists up for awards, starting with Maisie Dika. Ko taia nō mātou ki te mutunga te hikā, he mihi atu ki nga kai kōrero i tēnei wiki. Nā hoa mahi ngā mihi, mai te whānau a te hikā ki a tātou katoa, Māori ora.